I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me? Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help nope, and- No way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBot does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me? That's right. FitBot actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBot costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBot today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbot.me slash getfit. That's fitbot.me slash getfit. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindley at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the miners to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 20 of the Fantrax Toolship with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another great episode in store for you today with a phenomenal guest. But first, joining me as always is the man that always brings that Southern charm from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, bud? Hey, what's up, Eric? It's another good day to talk some prospects. Excited to uh, dive in on some both prospects and some young dynasty assets today that we're going to be talking about. Should we buy? Should we not buy? So got a special guest it's going to be a great episode indeed it is and joining us today is one of the best prospect analysts around a man that could rock a green fuzzy one-piece outfit like no one's business from <laughs> prospects live ralph Lifshitz is with us ralph thanks for coming on man how are you i'm doing great man uh chris eric thank you for having me on and uh yeah that was uh that was one of my birthday presents that's my daughter bought me so I was excited about it. I, I don't think they thought I'd embrace it quite as much as I have, but and I've done some drop. Yeah, I've gone around the neighborhood, <laughs> dropped off beers at people's houses, you know, um, just dressed up as uh, a giant green care bear. Um, but it's all festive. You know, I figure I have uh, a few more weeks where I can embrace my inner furriness and uh, just wear that outfit. I wore it two days in a row and I looked at my wife. I'm like, am I becoming a furry? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but hey, as, as you know, your daughter buys you something, an outfit, you wear it. That's what, that's what that's what we do Those as dads, right? right? That's what we do as dads, you know? And that, that's the name of the game right there. So love that. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Ralph is at Prospect Jesus. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. And please check out our new Patreon. We offer a ton of good stuff in there. 
including additional rankings, customized rankings, in-depth team and trade analysis, extra Patreon-exclusive podcasts. We did our first one yesterday that came on Sunday night, and much more. You can find that at patreon.com slash toolshed. And be sure to check out all the other great podcasts on the network, including Five Tool, SB Streamer, Triple Play, On Campus, Kick Around, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. But let's get into the show here. But before we start talking some names here, Ralph, floor is yours. What is going on at Prospects Live? What do you want to pump there? Yeah, we're uh, we're uh, finishing up the ranking season right now. Um, it's taken a while. Obviously, we went really in depth this year, and you know, wrote full scouting reports on pretty much all the players, some of the J two guys that we just haven't had looks on in the last couple of years um, are blurbed up a little bit. Matt Thompson's responsible for that. He's done a phenomenal job, but um, just working alongside uh, James Chipman, our director of scouting. And I think really refining like what our process is, the look and the feel of our reports and just even the language and the order of that stuff. And I think that's improved um, throughout still working through some issues in terms of those less loading. Cause it's way too much information and the way that we did it with the iframe is a little tricky, but um, we're going to be working around that and figuring some things out. But then a, a lot of draft stuff, um, a lot of co- co- ugh, college coverage, um, <laughs> whether it's Joe Doyle, myself, uh, you know, Ian Smith, Tyler Jennings, uh, Anthony Franco, Tom Musa. We have a really uh, incredible group of, um, you know, college baseball enthusiasts and, and um, you know, experts that are, are working on all our stuff. And of course, all the draft information we put out, um, we're building up the top 500. I think the top 400 is actually going to release in the next couple of days, but certainly this week. Um, and uh, yeah, so a lot of rankings and, you know, just a lot of work that's going to be done uh, in season in terms of scouting, getting out to games, that sort of thing. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more reports um, on the draft and the college side. We do a lot of, a lot of focus on um, the amateur work. And I think that really picked up throughout the pandemic um, as it was some of the first stuff to sort of come back and uh, really the, one of the few relevant baseball topics that was happening in, in May or, or June besides, uh, you know, the players and the owners not being able to figure things out, it seemed like. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, a lot of stuff going on, obviously a ton of podcasts and, and everything else. But, um, you know, there's always something to cover. Yeah, and thankfully we got some live baseball back to cover now. It's just absolutely great to, to see. And I remember when you when you all started that site, what was that 2018 you started? September 2018, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And just to see where you guys have come in the last couple of years, it's phenomenal. Like you brought in so many great writers and analysts and scouts and to keep building it up. So love seeing the site grow. So definitely go and check out prospectslive.com and at Prospects Live on Twitter as they have a great site and great people working for it with Ralph and Matt and Eddie and all of them. Definitely a phenomenal site. Let's get into the show here. But before we talk names, Ralph, when you're looking to buy low on, you know, a prospect or a young player, you know, like like a Vlad Jr., Carter Keeboom, those types of guys, maybe aren't prospects anymore. But when's the ideal time that you try to swoop in, you know, and, and acquire these players for, you know, eight cents on the dollar? Yeah, I think probably the best time is, well, there's a couple, right? Um, I think it's probably initially after they struggle. Um, yeah. That could be in. The minor leagues, um, it could be because of an injury or something like, you know, there are periods probably the last year, um, maybe even now still, where you could probably acquire Jordan Groshans or someone like that that just hasn't seen as much time, was sort of adversely affected a little bit uh, by the pandemic. You probably could grab a guy like that that has really high upside for a relatively low price. Um, I think the other time, and, you know, this might change a little bit, a lot of um, 
sort of J2 and international players or injured draft guys from the previous draft. Um, I know Jesus Lazardo was one of these where, you know, they sort of pop um, as the AZL starts um, and some of that complex ball. We may not get some of the same reports that we got in previous years. So I think that that's um, could potentially be a moot point, but previously it had been a great time to pick up a lot of talented players. And I know there's other guys, um, you know, that have, have popped over that period a couple of years ago, 2019, I think it was like Alberto Hernandez, um, Louis uh, Angel Acuna sort of popped over that period um, and a handful of others. So um, when those short season leagues started, it was always really exciting, especially like, you know, the complex levels, whether those were um, in the Dominican Republic with the DSL um, or, you know, at the actual, you know, stateside complexes in Florida and Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always had this kind of, for me personally, there's three times I tried, you know, two of them have to do with struggling. If, they, if they've struggled in, the, in their first taste of pro ball, whether it's college guys and a ball or the, you know, the international or high school guys on a rookie ball, that's a good time after they've come up and debuted and struggled is a great time as well. We'll talk about some of those guys here tonight and then the guys that are injured, right? Like you mentioned, Chris, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, just to add to the it's like the Kyle Tucker situation where it's like kind of gets the prospect fatigue there where like you know he's yep. he's been up, he's exhausted his prospect eligibility. He's been good. I mean, he he dominated the minors, he was even solid at the major league level, but you know, he kind of lost that, you know, shiny new toy, uh, I guess you'd say, and people just kind of faded on him. And so he, he loses the value and you know, before this past season, I was like, it's time to buy Kyle Tucker. Like, go get him. And he, he takes off. And I think that's kind of where Gavin Lux is right now, even though Lux has struggled a little bit. You know, Tucker didn't struggle to the extent that, that Lux has. But, you know, when they exhausted eligibility and people kind of forget that, you know, these guys were top prospects, you know, bo both Tucker and Lux, they were top five prospects on on many people's boards. And a lot of these guys, you know, they'll they'll have this prospect fatigue and you can go out and get them for pretty cheap. And so that's the time that I like to buy. So, you know, the Tucker situation last year, Gavin Lux is a great buy this year, in my opinion. So when when that kind of thing happens, that's that's another situation to add to what you guys said. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Let's, let's get into some player talk here. You know, first off, you know, the big name, you know, this came out yesterday that might need another Tommy John surgery. Forrest Whitley, God, it is, it's hard to value him, hard to rank him. Now, I have him in a few dynasty leagues, and I've already gotten some offers, but they weren't great offers. So it's really hard to value Whitley right now. Ralph, you know, do you, do you have any shares of Whitley in any of your dynasty leagues? I do not, actually. No? I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have Whitley rostered anywhere, actually. Now, no. where, where are you on Whitley right now? Are you, you know, with, with this latest news, are you still kind of like, all right, the upside is, is very high, so I'll, I'll take a chance on buying low, or are you just out? Yeah, so, you know, I had him outside of um, my top 100. I think I had him ranked like 140 or 150. Um, at this point, you know, I probably push him back probably even after 250 at this point because there's a lot of arms. It's funny. There's a lot of arms that, maybe are underrated in these prospect ranks, especially on the fantasy side where it's just a matter of like opportunity and a couple of things popping. It's just really tough to bank on really any pitching prospect. And I think that that really is a good example of that. Yeah. Um, but in particular, I think, I think the thing that, that I struggle with with Whitley is, is a few things. Um, number one, he really hasn't been good since 
2017, right? Mm. Um, so it's been it's been four years pretty much since he was dominant. We saw short stints of it in the fall league, um, notably in 2018, and everyone was like, all right, well, maybe he's just back on track. That was after the suspension had happened earlier that season. Um, and then like he came out in 2019 and it was just terrible. I mean, from start to start, he was like a different guy. Um, and some of the things that made Whitley so tremendous was, you know, his ability to spot the fastball high cause it had good shape. Um, but also his ability to, um, still land that in the lower quadrants because of his, you know, height and sort of arm slot. Um, he can create a fair amount of downhill plane too. So he could sort of attack batters in a variety of different ways. And then he had, you know, three seemingly above average or better um, secondaries. You know, I don't want to say plus necessarily, but there were times where like in the AFL, and I can remember talking to, you know, Jason Panini, one of the, the founders of Prospects Live now, you know, an area scout with the twins. Um, and he was like, Whitley was a, used his different secondaries today. Like he, he, <laughs> he was slider last time. This time he was just curveball, cutter, fastball. You know, and he was like slider change up the last time. And it was like the fact that he could do that with his arsenal, that he had that much confidence that he could carve up batters from game to game and give them a different look. And then also attack differently with that fastball made him almost like a, like a perfect pitching prospect from the sense of like what you could project out and like his ability seemingly uh, with a good game plan to really sequence and attack batters in a variety of different ways, even from like inning to inning and each time through the lineup. Um, I think that there are, and I, you know, I don't want to pass um, judgment on a, on a human being. I think there are some mental struggles there with, with Whitley. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know if it's like, I don't mean like anxiety or anything. I just, I don't, I think it's just a matter of like focus in game and, mm. and mentality. And I think particularly with pitchers, I think that that temperament thing is important. Um, yeah. You know, you want a guy that's a gamer or you want a guy that's just cold blooded and, like nothing gets to him. You know, I, it's one of the things that always threw me off about Shane McClenahan. Like when you watch him, he's very demonstrative on the mound. It's almost like John Lackey, but he gets pissed off about everything. Yeah. <laughs> mad about calls. And like, I, I personally, I don't grab, I, I sort of push myself away from that as an evaluator. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know how that's going to, he'll handle that when things start to get bad or he gets squeezed. Cause it's going to happen. Right. You're going right. to get in these situations and really the, the, you know, the ability to, win as a pitcher and be successful is being able to get out of tough situations because you're, you're not going to always be ahead in the count. You're not always going to have a clean inning. Um, and it's like, how, you're going to give up some home runs from time to time. It's just, how do you come back from that? And I feel like Whitley struggles with that. And the, the last thing I'll say, and I thought this was really telling, and this was prior to the injury. Um, someone asked Kevin Gold, uh, Goldstein in his first fan graphs chat, who obviously was the assistant to the GM in Houston, high ranking executive. Um, probably the highest ranking executive we ever had come into the public space other than Jim Bowden. And I think if we've read his material, you know, <laughs> no disrespect, but you know, it's not quite on the same level as Goldstein. And he said, you know, he's, he's, he said he's, his range of probabilities is incredibly great. He can go from everything to, from a rotation arm, not even a mid rotate, a rotation arm to never pitching in the majors. And like that last part to me to say that this guy who was a slam dunk prospect a few years ago in your organization, a guy that we figured you would never trade and you have firsthand experience with this guy as an individual for you to say that it wouldn't shock me if he never pitches in the majors. I was off. I was off. And then the injury happened and I'm like, 
This guy's got injuries, drug suspensions, struggles, and people that worked within his organization that don't believe in him. I, I wouldn't touch him, you know? I mean, honestly, if you could trade him in a dynasty league and get someone who's in the majors, I think I might do it. I think I might do it. You know, you could probably talk me into like Dexter Fowler for Forrest Whitley at this point. <laughs> Maybe not that far, but I don't know. You know, he's he's tough to roster, man. You know, especially if the yeah. setup, if it's a, a, a shallow league, pff, I would cut bait. I would cut bait. There's somebody better out there. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I, uh, in a 30-team league that Chris and I are both in, I have Whitley, and I was like, I was kind of joking in our chat on Twitter. I was like, "Hey, anyone want Whitley?" And then I was, I got like five people messaging me. They're like, "Hey, yeah, I'll take a, I'll, I'll take an offer for him." I'm like, "Okay, what are you offering?" I'll probably accept this before this this uh, show airs on tomorrow. So uh, I could say it right now. I got an offer right now of uh, Brennan Malone and um, Shane Boz for Whitley. Oh my god! And, and Whitley, I have to throw in Francis Cordero, but. I have I have plenty. Oh, of I'd still outfielders. do that. I have plenty I think of outfielders. Too. Sucks, though. <laughs> huh? you, I think Franchi sucks. Like, but it would be. I, I hope he's. I want him to be good because he's a Red Sox. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't. And I want Jaron Duran up. I don't, that's I that's true. Yeah, I don't want to see Jaron Duran. Um, <laughs> you know what? It's funny because um, just the, like just 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 because um, we have a spiteful God, um, we can tell I have some Jewish blood. Um, but just because we have a spiteful God, Franchi will be awesome in Boston, and and Hunter Renfro will suck this year just because I'm on the Renfro. <laughs> it's, it's probably gonna be one or the other, right? I don't think they're both gonna be good. It's like one will be pretty good. I, I think I think play, be like, I don't think Franchi can play. I like Renfro. I like Renfro and Fenway. I think he's a good fit at Fenway. Hey man, pull side fly ball hitter and that's exactly. a right hitter um, yep. all day. I yep. bet you. I was saying this to Gray earlier today in the Rasball podcast. I bet. So his best batting average on balls and play in a full season is like 275. I'm like, I bet he's pushing 300 on Babbitt this year because he's oh, yeah. going to pepper that wall. Oh, absolutely. He's going to yeah. go like 320 to like put it off the wall. I mean, it's like the perfect part for him. To be sneaky good. He can hit like 30 and, you know, 30 with 30 to 40 doubles there if he's playing every day. Absolutely. Even if it's like 25, 30 doubles and like 25 homers, he could hit 30. You know, I think Dahlbeck's hitting 30. So, oh, yeah. Does Dahlbeck? Yeah. I've said time, time before. Dahlbeck swing fits Fenley perfectly. I jumped, yeah. I jumped around on him in TGFBI because I wanted him as my my uh, my corner infielder. So I took him at like two. I took him at the turn going into the nineteenth round. So I took him in the nineteenth round, the beginning of the nineteenth. That's, That's not bad. bad. Now you're getting yeah. close to three hundred. That's not bad at all. He's two ninety is his ADP. So I think I took him at like two seventy or something. But he went yeah. way earlier in my league. So that's he went uh well round 17 so mm. i was hoping to get him like around where you got him yeah he's already he's already mashing but him and duran already mashing bombs good to see chris what are your what are your thoughts on whitley yeah i mean i'm pretty much out at this point injuries i mean the arsenal's enticing he's always struggled with the command a little bit which is concerning but it's so tough, man, because like like we've said at one point, he, you know, this was the guy that had the most upside of any pitching prospect in the game. Like, you know, we looked at him higher than Mackenzie Gore. And and now to see, you know, how he's fallen from grace is is kind of tough to watch. But I, I don't know. I just don't think I can do it. I was hoping to, to buy low this season, but you know, that the injury obviously completely throws that out the window. So there there's no buying low. It's probably only selling low at this point. So mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't own him anywhere in any of my leagues, fortunately. 
but I don't even think I could do like, I'm not sure I'd give you what you're getting in, in that trade and <laughs> in, in the 30 team league. So I, I would yeah, take that I'm, if I were you, I'm probably going to accept that after the pod. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it sucks. Cause the, the upside was so high. Like you went from being like, you know, one of the few guys that had like ace upside to, all right, you know, there's some issues here, some kinks in the armor. Maybe he's like, you know, one of those high strikeout mid rotation guys. And now it's like what Ralph was saying, where it's like at this point, I'm like, all right, if he's in the majors, he's maybe a maybe he's a bullpen arm. Maybe he's never makes it. It's just now we don't know anymore. It's just so it's just, we we just don't know what we're gonna get with Whitley if we get anything at all. So I, I hate that it's gone on this path with him because I hate to see guys with this much talent, you know, this much you know pure stuff falter out like this, but. And that's the path he takes, and the second Tommy John, yeah, that's I'm I'm gonna get. I don't think I already have him in this one league, so yeah, he'll he'll be gone by the time this podcast drops <laughs> in everyone's timelines in, in the morning. But uh, let's move on to some more enticing guys that aren't quite as bad as uh, in the shape as uh, Whitley is right now. Some of those 2020 rookies that struggled, like we, we talked about, everyone's been talking about Ian Anderson and Sixto Sanchez, how they came up and were very good, and we see that with their ADP this year. But some of the other guys that we ranked, a lot of us ranked right in the same ballpark, maybe even a little bit higher, a little lower, but all in the same area pretty much that didn't do quite as well last year. Four in particular, Spencer Howard, Nate Pearson, Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal. Ralph, is anybody here stick out that out of these four that you're really worried about long-term or maybe someone that you're just like, all right, I'm not worried at all. This guy's going to be really good. Hmm. Um. You know, I really like um I really like Scooble. Um, you know, I think that the secondaries are probably even better than we thought. Uh fastball was pretty good. Shape isn't a leader or anything like that. Um, but he's got enough velocity to sort of get by and he's got good secondary, so that matters. Um, I think Pearson's has the highest upside of the group. Um, just in terms of the 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 fastball, uh, especially if he can command it at the top of the zone. He didn't do a great job of last year. At times he did. Um, that's when that misses bats. If he can throw that high um, and land it at the top of the zone, he's going to miss a lot of bats. Um, if he's throwing it low, he's going to drive brown balls, which is fine too because he has the ability to do both. Yeah. And then, you know, I think the progression we've seen with the changeup over the last couple of years, um, that first game he showed a lot of feel for it, kind of waned in other starts. Um, and then the slider is just it's, – it's, it's plus if not double. I mean, I think that's one of the few um, 70 breaking balls that I've probably graded this year is is Pearson slider. Um, so I think that he's the guy that and I think the thing with him is even if he's not a starter, um, he could be like an elite bullpen piece. I mean, he could be the best reliever in baseball kind of kind of deal. Um, I worry a little bit about, about Spencer Howard. Um, I, I like the fastball. I think his slot is easy to pick up. And he also has that big overhand curveball that kind of has a hump to it. And um, the thing that I've I've heard from hitters, and I think I've noticed this just from shooting, you know, countless hours of video behind the plate, it's easy to pick those 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 breaking balls up mm. when it's coming out of the hand. Um, you know, if he's able to um, really mirror um, his release point on his fastball, I think when he's good, that's what he does, and he's able to tunnel those two together. And a lot of that comes down to you know the release point and how it looks. Um, fine, but he struggled a lot, uh, with those two pitches and his command wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. I think the other thing with Spencer Howard is Spencer Howard has 
less of a track record um, than these other guys as an amateur. Um, you know, he was he was kind of an afterthought and then took a big step forward, um, went to the Cape, took another huge step forward and sort of, you know, burst into the second round. So he's been a little bit newer to pitching than some of these other guys. As for Casey Mize, um, I know he uh, he struggled with command again today, um, which is yeah. weird. He hasn't been able to command his fastball as well. And he, he's always struggled with fastball command a little bit. It's the slider command that confuses me because he would eat with that slider. And I mean, I saw him multiple times um, and it was a plus pitch. It was a pitch that he could throw at will, get swings and misses, get ground balls. He could at least land it for strikes. He's really struggled with that. Um, You know, and I don't know if that's, you know, as you move up and into the higher levels and the majors, the black gets a lot smaller. the, The zone gets tighter. So I don't know if it's part of that and guys are just taking it more. Um, I worry a little bit about Mize. I, I, I do think that his mentality, uh, his ability to sequence and I, you know, if, if he really does sort of master the zone at the major league level, um, with his secondaries, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, he's not an ace, you know, I think he's probably a mid rotation arm. Um, he's not the guy I necessarily thought he was, you know, two years ago. Um, when I first saw him live and was sort of just blown away, he was sitting, you know, 92 to 95 and throwing two plus secondaries. I, you know, I don't think he's that guy. Um, but I would probably rank it, you know, Pearson, Scooball, um, Mize, and then Howard. And I think Pearson and Scooball are a step ahead of, um, Howard and Mize myself. Yeah. It's interesting you say that about, about Mize because I, I put the a tweet out a month or so ago, kind of asking, Hey, if Mize turns into, a Kyle Hendricks type of pitcher, how would you feel about that? And the vast majority said, you know, they were underwhelmed or disappointed by that. And then let's like, well, Kyle Hendricks has been a, you know, what, a three, two, three, three ERA guy. Yeah. doesn't strike out a lot of guys, but neither is Mize. I think Mize is at like 24 point something percent in the minor leagues. And he was never really a big circle guy at Auburn either. He's more like the pitch to weak contact type. And with that command, which I agree has been a little, kind of wonky. I don't think his command's been quite as good since that shoulder injury. I remember seeing him before and after that shoulder injury back in 2019, and he was two different pitchers. And I, I haven't seen that command come back. You mentioned he's always had a little bit you know, command issues with the fastball, but I haven't really seen the overall command of the Arsenal come back since that first start. Um, but Yamais, I think, is just going to be solid. Like He's just a, like you mentioned, a good mid-rotation guy, one of those higher-floor you're never going to be super excited about drafting him, but end of the year, you'll probably be happy with your investment. I, I worry, and I, I'm not quite as high in school ball as others are. I, I just I just wonder if, about that changeup. Even though the changeup has come along, I wonder just how good it's going to be long-term. You know, obviously, I love the fastball. I love the breaking ball. Um, I think he's going to be a high strikeout guy regardless, right? I think he's going to be well, maybe like a Gio Gonzalez type where the ratios might not be super great, but the strikeouts will always be there. So he provides value that way. And then Pearson, I agree. I, I Pearson slider, I've always had a 70 grade. I love that slider. You, you saw him, you know, do that in his debut when he was going toe-to-toe with Max Scherzer, where he was landing it for strikes, burying it below the zone. Just really can do whatever he wanted with that slider. Uh, so I, I'm still all in on Nate Pearson, but there is some concern with those injuries. But like you said, he goes to the bullpen, he's going to be freaking lights out there too. Even if he just condenses down to the fastball slider there. You know, maybe add, you know, keeps the change up there too. But uh, so I think Pearson definitely tops for me. And I think Mize would be two, Scooball and Scooball and Howard, both three, four. But Chris, what, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go opposite of you guys. I, I really like Spencer Howard. I think he's a decent buy low right now. Um, I, I still like Spencer Howard too. Like, don't get me wrong. I still like Spencer Howard too. I love that change up. But yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not ranking Howard above these guys, but like I, I do think he's a great buy low opportunity. Uh, I, I think the shoulder really affected him uh, last year. We know that obviously got shut down with that uh, the end of in September, and just wonder like was he physically not right all year? You know, mentally there was some there was some concerns. Like I think beyond just pitching, and you know, you mentioned Ralph, the command was was not what we had seen in the minors, and even the Arizona Fall League is when we really came out. But I think the stuff's there, like the the fastball, the changeup. You know, they all the the breaking ball. They flash plus, in my opinion, when they're at their best. And so if he can just get the command back consistent, and and the arsenal's working for him, and I really think that he's got upside to be be really kind of soured on him and so i would say he's he's a good buy low um and i love pearson's stuff we had a nice little debate last week you know i i do think there's some bullpen risk here which you know and we even we mentioned it's if it's in the bullpen he he could still be good it's kind of like garrett crochet like if he's in the pen you know could be really good for for his fantasy value if he's like a closer because he's got that really good stuff and so, yeah, I mean, I think all four of these guys like present decent buying options in dynasty leagues right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, upside, I mean, Pearson's definitely the highest upside. So if you can get him the cheapest, you got to go with it. But I think like for me, the best dynasty buy right now among these four would probably be Howard. Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm still pretty high on Howard as well. Um, I, got, I got a lot of shares of these guys in dynasty leagues, too, especially Nate Pearson. I got, I got Nate Pearson everywhere. I've, I've loved him for a while. Let's hope he can stay healthy and, and be in the rotation because I think he's got that super high upside just because of the strikeouts and if he keeps those ratios in check. This would be like an elite ratio guy to have a ton of value, right? Because he's going to be, you know, one of the, on the per inning basis, probably one of the higher strikeout guys in the majors. You know, he's got that type of stuff. But if he just keeps the ratio like 3 5, you know, with a 1 1 5 or something like that, whip, something like that. I think that'll be enough to have him be, you know, maybe a top. I can see him being like a top twenty-five-ish start, like SP two for fantasy if everything goes right. But you know, I'm hoping because I said I got a lot of shares of him in dynasty leagues. Uh, moving on down to a couple of rays here: um, Honeywell, Brent Honeywell Jr. and Brendan McKay. Ralph, are you still in on either of them? What are your thoughts on those two? Man, I want to be back in on on Brent Honeywell Jr. I do I too, man. To pitch like that's really what the issue is there um you know is he actually going to be healthy enough um to give you legitimate innings you know what's his role going to be he's had two elbow injuries now um consecutively so that's that's concerning um i still like brennan mckay i still think brennan mckay can be a good starter like he's not going to be elite but i think he's a rotation guy um you know the two-way stuff is out the window he's not going to hit yeah um you know, maybe in a pinch or something when they need him to. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I almost wonder if he ends up getting traded once he's healthy. Um, he'd be great in an NL team while they still have a DH, right? Right. <laughs> but, no, I, I don't think – I think, you know, maybe he comes back to, like, a, a bulk starter role where they have a, um, an opener maybe with, like, a, a you know, a righty-heavy lineup at the top. Maybe they go with an opener and then throw McKay out there. Um, that wouldn't shock me. You know, uh, it's, I still it's think the he's a starter type. I mean, he still he's a starter type. I don't think he's a bullpen guy. Yeah, I, I want Honeywell to be good. Like I, I was in on Honeywell, you know, back before all these injuries happened. 
what, what I want to know is like, what does the Arsenal really look like? You know, is he was what a five pitch guy back then, including the screwball. So like, what does he look like now? You know, what's the Arsenal look like when he comes back? Is it still as diverse as it was? Does he simplify it down? I gotta think. I feel like he's going to. I don't know. I'm just going off a hunch here. Um, but Honeywell, I've gotten a few of him and dynasty shares of him in dynasty leagues over the last you know six eight months, just because it cost absolutely nothing to get this guy. Everyone's like, ah, oh, I'm done with Honeywell. He hasn't pitched in like four years, which is true. But you know, if and if, if you're getting up very little to get him and it doesn't work out and he never, you know, amounts to anything and never even pitches again, whatever. You didn't give up much for him, but the chance that he does come back and is even maybe 80% of what we thought he could be several years ago, that's a great buy right there. Chris, I, I know, Chris, you're still very high on McKay, aren't you? Yeah, I love McKay, man. He's He's got the talent. You know, I don't, I don't think he's an ace. He's not an SP2, but like the floor, I feel like, is just really high. Like he could be a really solid like SP3 type. You know, he's got a good arsenal. He's got really good command. Again, it's just the injury stuff. It just keeps compiling and compiling. Like, you know, how long is he going to be out? And, you know, it's the concerns. So, I don't know. Like, I want to be on him. I think that he's a decent buy low right now. I mean, I don't think that, you know, he debuted in 2019 and was was roughed up pretty good. But, you know, I don't think that's, like, telling of who McKay really is. Like, I think that we, we saw. I mean, he, he's a lot more talented than that. I mean, Honeywell, so hard to project, man. He hasn't pitched in since 2017. Like you mentioned, what does he look like when he comes back? Like, what does his arsenal look like? I mean, he had one of the best arsenals at one point in the minor leagues. And so now we don't know what he's going to look like, and it's tough. But, again, the risk is so minimal. Like, what what do you have to give up to get him? It, it couldn't cost you much at all. So, you know, at, at the price, you might as well just dive in and take a risk. But, yeah, I think it's a good time to buy McKay, honestly. You know, I think – I think that he can still be a really solid starting pitcher. And so yeah, I'm, I'm buying low wherever I can. Yeah, I don't – I think I am too. I don't know. I, I, I almost want to buy just at the price tag. want to buy Honeywell a little more. But I do agree that with McKay, I think he's going to – you know, don't go off the stats you saw in the minor leagues when you had like a sub-2 ERA. He's going to be a super elite guy. But high floor, number, you know, maybe number four type, back in number three. Yeah, I think you can just get solid ratios, decent enough Ks. Uh, it's kind of wonder how the Rays use him, how they use Honeywell, how they use Luis Patino. It's just so many arms in that system, you know, both already at the major league level and, you know, down in the minors. Now, obviously, there's not going to be – you only can start, you know, well, they'll be the first one to do it with an eight-man rotation. Watch. They'll be, they'll be the first one to do that in the year 2025. But, um, yeah, definitely I'm, I'm buying Honeywell everywhere. And McKay, if the price is right, I will as well. I think there's still, like you mentioned, a good floor there. Uh, Chris, what about AJ Puck? Though? How do you feel about AJ Puck? Uh, I'm not really in on him at all. I, I'm afraid that he is a bullpen guy and he could be a really good bullpen guy. Like, don't get me wrong. He's, he's got the stuff to be solid in the pen, but I don't know. I just don't think that he's the like the high end starting pitcher that we once thought he was. And so honestly, like at this point, I'm not really going on my way to buy him. Like if, if something falls in my lap and I get him, like, I'll, I'll gladly take him. He's got good, great fastball slider combo and, you know, the changeup solid at points. So I don't know. I mean, the injuries are concerning to me, but again, for a bullpen arm, I'm just, I just don't got him away in dynasty leagues to, to buy bullpen arms. So, you know, I think that's pretty much what he is at this point. I, I could be wrong, but I don't really see him as a starter type anymore. 
Ralph, you know, I was looking at your your guys' Oakland Athletics list over on Prospects Live, and I, I noticed you guys have AJ Puck number one. Now, is that he was your only fifty five future value there? Is that come kind of more so because Oakland doesn't have necessarily the greatest system around, or are you in general are you still high on AJ Puck? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write the Puck report, did I? Did I write the Puck report? Maybe I did. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't look to see who. I mean, let me pull it up here. It was no. It was Jake Bowes. Okay. Um, see, I think the thing with with Puck is like with those those role grades, he could still be a really good reliever, and like right. you can be a fifty five, sixty as a reliever, especially in this day and age, right? right. Um, and we saw it. I think he can be a dominant sort of pen arm um, almost immediately. So, yeah, I think he's one of those guys where. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he gets the, the 55, 60, but maybe he's a little bit lower on like a fantasy list, which I think he was. You know, he was outside of the top 100 for us. But, um, you know, he's a guy that on like a real life list is still a little bit higher because I, th- I still think that there's there's pen upside. And, you know, in terms of the actual player, when you're evaluating him, the skills are there. Um, he's had a lot of a lot of injuries, a lot of nicks and bruises, you know, so I just don't know how it's going to how it's going to ultimately project. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. So if you put had to put a hundred dollars your own money down in three years, Puck a starter or is Puck a reliever? I think Puck's a reliever. I think in like a, I think this year he could be a reliever. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, um, you could be looking at a guy that's 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 coming out of the pen and giving you like, you know, fifty or sixty innings. Um and could with probably yeah, and could probably do it with a lot of strikeouts, um, yeah. and just a lot of flash, you know. Yeah. He'll get he'll get pinch, he'll get pitching ninja a lot. <laughs> he definitely will. <laughs> With that slider, he definitely will. Uh, all right, that's going to bring us to our break here. We're done talking about pitchers. We'll come back on the other side and get in some hitters. So stick with us. Hey, MIAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MIAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MIAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. We got Ralph Lifshitz, Prospect Jesus, from Prospects Live with us, talking some prospects and some young players in Dynasty to buy low or maybe not buy low. Uh, we went through all of the hitters we had on our list before the, I mean, pitches, excuse me, before the break. Now we're getting into hitters. And let's start with the name that I get asked about a ton on Twitter. I'm sure you do, Chris. I'm sure you do, Ralph. Vlad Jr. Ralph, how are you still? We're, we we both saw a ton of Vlad Jr. coming up through, right? Are you still yeah. like all in? Like this dude is going to be a stud. He's going to be an early round fantasy guy. Are you still all in? Are you have you kind of tempered your expectations a little bit? Um, <laughs> I can't I can't bring myself to pay the price tag. Um, yeah, same in here. a redraft, frankly. Um, I still think he's going to hit, and you know, I think um. And I know this is tired of saying this, but I think there is a certain fitness level um, that he needs to be at to perform his best. And I don't think he's necessarily been there. I had hope for him coming into last year. Um, And I think the shutdown just, I think it once again, adversely affected him uh, in particular, um, particularly with the setup, you know, if you don't have to really leave your house and 
you know, how much you actually have to work out, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think he just ate it's probably around family, you know, eating yeah. good. Um, I think that's a big part of him. Um, but I think, uh, I think as long as he's committed to fitness and he maintains that throughout a season, um, I could see him sort of breaking out. Uh, he hasn't been terrible. I think we've all seen some of the things that, that are there. I think it's just a matter of him, um, being at his highest fitness level and just being able to, um, sort of get that extra bit of torque and just that extra bit of twitch that he's sort of lacked the last couple of years. Um, in some ways he's kind of reminiscent of like, uh, he approaches better, but he's reminiscent and he hasn't produced as much, but he's reminiscent of like Raphael Devers, where I feel like Devers, like when Devers is in shape and focused, um, he, he really can be a tremendous player. And, uh, there's other times where like, I think the fitness lags a little bit. And I think, um, that shows itself in, uh, in sort of a lack of production at times of some struggles. Yeah, no, totally. And let me, let me ask you this. I said, you've seen as much or more of Vlad live than I did in the minors. I kind of thought that, and everyone talks about his ground, the high ground ball, right? Right. Do you think he needs to undergo, you know, kind of a mechanical adjustment to get to that raw power in games more consistently? Because we saw like that, the yeah, the home run derby. We we see the raw power. It's it's there. It is very much there, very prominent. But I think maybe he needs to adjust the hand slot a little bit. I was thinking, what do you think on that? Do you think that needs to happen in order for him to unlock more of that in game power? Um, I don't know. You know, um, we saw it in in Double A. And I, you know, I, and I still maintain that we saw a better physical version of of, of Vlad Jr. Um, and maybe that, you know, a little extra second of bat speed makes the difference and uh, the ability to adjust. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to change um, anything about his setup really um, that he doesn't feel comfortable doing. Um, so I, like, I don't know if he's really a swing change candidate necessarily because i don't think it's detrimental um it's maybe detrimental to like your fantasy team but i don't think for <laughs> actual like contact skills and like baseball ability you know if i was a hitting coach i'm not sure that i would be forcing that i do think it's going to come with time you know um, Sorry, yeah. I, I i do you know and i think that um once we see a full season of, of vlad and like i said He's in sort of that higher level of conditioning. Um, I do think it's going to translate to, to power and production because sometimes it's like this is a, a game of inches, right? And it's, yep. it's really just that split second of quickness and, and it's, it's the small things. So yeah. I, that's what that's what my belief is until I see him fail at that level. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't take the chance on it in really any draft at this point um he's a tough guy to buy in from uh, on i would much rather sort of watch from afar and then let the breakout happen on somebody else's team and go all right well i'm I the same I'm glad junior next season you know yep. <laughs> um, there's a risk level there that i don't think you want to necessarily take on um, just based on how famous he is and what the price is going to be versus the production you could potentially get you know yeah i am 100 with you there that's what i've said before is I, I hope he does well. He's, he was a fun player to watch, and he still is. And I follow him on Instagram, and he was posting workout videos multiple times a day, every day for the last year, it felt like so, and said he's dropped 40 pounds. We'll see. Uh, see if that translates. I think this will be a very telling year. Not a do-or-die year, but I think it will be a very telling year for Vlad Jr. this year. 
Um, but yeah, I don't have any shares of him yet, and I probably won't at any of my drafts this year. Chris, what about you? How are you valuing Vlad Jr. right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the talent's still definitely there. Like, I think he can perform at a high level, but I think right now, from what we've seen, I, I just can't pay the cost. Like, I think, but agree with both of you. I'll be a year late on him. I don't have any shares of him in dynasty leagues. I'm not going out of the way to get him right now because even though the production really hasn't been there, the cost is, is still really high. And I just can't give up what he would cost, honestly, in a dynasty league format to to get him and risk him continue beating balls into the ground. Like, I mean, the upside's definitely there. We know the upside. You know, if he begins to lift the ball more and the power comes around, I mean, the hit tool's excellent, but I don't know. Right now, I just can't pay the price and, and I'm not going to. So I'll be a year late on him. And I mean, it'd be great. Like, I hope that he succeeds. Like, I mean, and, and does well, but I I just can't pay the cost right now for for what he's done and what we've seen him do. Yeah, I agree. I think we're all in agreement there that the cost is still a bit too high, but hopefully we see him do better things this year. With Hopefully he's in the best shape he's been in, in a few years now, so we'll definitely see. Uh, moving on here to some 2020 hitting rookies that didn't quite fare as well as we had hoped. Four in particular I'm looking at here, Joe Adele, Joey Bart, Gavin Lux, Carter Keboom, I think the two big ones there are Joe Adele and Gavin Lux. And when talking to people about Adele, people are all over the place, right? So people are like, oh, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a stud. And, well, I think I'm still in on Adele because, like, we've seen he basically kind of struggled at every level, made adjustments, and then kind of got better. And he hasn't really had that chance to make those adjustments yet. Got rushed a little bit. Probably would have spent half the year at AAA last year in a normal season. So I think he kind of got thrown off that way. So... But is he going to run as much as his speed might you know, let on? I don't think so. Is he going to hit it for as high average as we thought? Probably not. I think, I think there's no questioning the power, right, Ralph? Like, the power is there, but it's kind of like everything else, right? Where, where are you on Adele right now? Yeah, I think, you know, I had an interesting conversation yesterday in the, the baseball uh, uh, HQ, um, you know, first pitch Florida. And um, I had an interesting conversation with uh, it was Eric Longenhagen and Chris Blessing. And sort of the thing that we were talking about was the struggles with breaking balls that maybe we didn't necessarily see as much in the minor leagues. And one of the things that Eric said was, um, you know, this is what when a prospect is going to bust and like comes up and struggles like this is what like Dom Brown looked like. You know, this is what uh, Brandon Wood looked like. Um, and I think it wasn't just a matter of like we saw with like maybe like a. Um, a Kyle Tucker, or even like going back a little bit further, you may not remember this or not, but Alex Bregman, when he first came up, went like one for 36. Like yeah. he was terrible after like destroying every level of the minor leagues and like jumping three levels in like a month, you know, um, for obvious reasons. He was a tremendous player and still is. Um, but it's like, is it that or is it the other thing? And I think the thing that I, I worry about a little bit with, with Adele is um, the fielding was worse than I think we probably expected. Um, and the struggles seemed to sort of weigh on him that, you know, when you, when you sort of watched him, you could sort of see that like he was off, like he was swinging stuff. He hadn't swung at before he looked overwhelmed. Um, and the thing that sucks about 2020 is he didn't have an opportunity to get set down and work on things in 20 in triple a and, and get that confidence back and then come back and take that step forward. He didn't have that opportunity, you know, and the alternate site really wasn't like that. It was more to keep guys fresh, I think, than anything else. Um, so 
I'm I'm struggling a little bit with Adele right now. I think I would gamble on him um, if the price is low enough, like in the trade market. Um, you know, I, I think if he drops enough in a startup dynasty league, it makes sense. If you wanted to take a flyer on him, um, you know, in your 12 team or 15 team league um, with your last couple of picks, fine. You know, if it's a you know type of setup where I think you can maybe cut bait pretty quickly. Um, I think there's still upside there. You know, I, we saw guys like Aaron Judge the first time he came up looked pretty bad. You know, he yeah. had flashes and then looked pretty bad and overwhelmed. And the next year came up and hit 52 homers. So, you know, <laughs> this is a crossroads a little bit for right. Adele. And it will be interesting if he ends up starting the season in, in AAA, which I think is probably the case when you look at the right. setup. The other thing um, that worries me a little bit about Adele is the organization. And they've had talented gms they've had smart guys as their gms but they had they've been really hand-strung by artie moreno and just how like interventionalist he sort of is as an owner that he gets involved in things he shouldn't get involved in um and makes bad baseball decisions sometimes for the back pages and not necessarily for um the baseball team they have a lot of outfielders right now um you know between obviously mike trout um, but you know, they got Justin Upton that's probably gonna need some playing time that's getting paid. Um, they got Dexter Fowler, um, you know, a handful of other guys. And then, you know, I think the guy that probably should have come up last year that I think would have adapted more easily to the major league um game is Brandon Marsh. Uh he's got a much better approach and always had a better approach than Adele. The, the tools are loud, but not quite as loud as Adele's. And he's a better fielder. He might even be the best defensive outfielder in the organization, and at least at the upper levels. Um, and if I was the Angels, I would have brought that guy up, knowing that, like, all right, you know, Adele needs a little bit more time. We don't want to spoil him right now. Whatever the year has been, this is a tough time to adapt. Where I think, you know, Marsh being a little bit older, um, having more professional experience, and also having a really strong, like, foundational game tools that provided value in other ways. That's who I would have brought up. I just think that Adele was thrust into a no-win situation, and I just worry that unless he gets traded, I kind of pray he gets traded, um, it's going to get worse, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, he he's the kind of guy that I would I would bank on a lot more if he was in a good organization. But um, That's a great point. Angels are tricky, man. You know, it's just been a tricky org to to project, you know? It definitely has. Now, where do, where do you think he ends up? You know, I think the power's unquestioned, but – terms of the you know hit tool and speed where do you think he ends up like you know average obp and stolen bases a year you thinking like i saw a comment i think it was yeah pretty sure it was matt thompson on in the facebook group that me and him ran from baseball 365 where i think he said he was i think he had him at like 250 like 35 and like five or eight or something like that where, where are you at in terms of speed and average for joe Ooh. adele um are you, are you in that same ballpark or you a little more optimistic. I would probably be less optimistic on the batting average, honestly. Um, but I you think you think like two forty or something. I think he's a guy that would hit like two forty, um, fair amount of strikeouts. Maybe the 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 he walk, learns to walk a little bit more. You're really banking on the power there. Um, and as for steals, I think it's going to be like single digits. I, you know, I don't expect him to be a guy that has, um, you know, tremendous sort of. Um, you know, 40, 15 seasons, even. Um, I think it's probably going to be more like five or six, seven steals. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's got the speed for more. I wish he ran more, but 
it's hard when the your OBP is you know kind of as low as his is going to be probably, and he hasn't wanted to run, and you know it doesn't usually get better as you get to the major leagues. So, uh, Chris, where are you at? You want to add anything on Joe Adele, or where, where are you at on, the, on these four in general? Is there anybody here you're higher on than the other four? Yeah, I mean, I think you covered Adele pretty well. I mean, I'm probably highest on Lux still of the. Of those four, I do think that mm. you know Lux could be in for a, a big rebound. It just needs consistent yeah. playing time. You know, they haven't committed to to playing him every day, and I think that's what he needs is just regular playing time, honestly. And you know, there were some concerns like at the outside. I know ready that he came in, you know, not in great shape, and so I don't know. We'll we'll see. He had uh, he had throwing issues. Is yeah, that's right. So. He had, yeah, some, he had the yips. Some, some throwing issues, but I will say, so I've interviewed two pitchers in the last three weeks um, for my one-on-one show podcast that I've been doing lately. Um, and got both guys that were at the ultimate side for the Dodgers, um, you know, Ryan Pepio, who looked tremendous the other night. He did. Um, boy. And then um, my boy, Jojo Gray. You may know him as Josiah, but you should call him Jojo. That's what everyone calls him is Jojo. It's actually Jojo. Yeah, it's it's awesome. He's he's so much fun. He's a great. Guy. He, he seems he seems like a good dude. I, I haven't talked to him, but he seems he, he seems is. like a great dude. He is. He he's is. he's a guy you root for. Whether you're high he, uh, in the skills or not, you root for a guy like, like Josiah Gray. After 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 I uh, after I finished talking to him, we were talking. He's like, "Oh, my girlfriend's from the next town over from where you live, and we should get dinner the next time I'm I'm back in Massachusetts." Nice. I was like. All right, Jojo, you're, you're <laughs> off. So, so you'll get a picture randomly of me at like a candlelit dinner with our wives and like me and Jojo Gray open up some champagne or something. There but, you go. Um, but they were both saying like um, Gavin Lux is a dude. They also said Jack, uh, Zach, gee, Jack, Zach McKinstry is a fucking guy. They were That's like, yeah, boy. this guy is like a major league hitter. They're like, they said the same thing with Gavin Lux. They said Gavin Lux is tremendous. Like, Seeing him day in and day out and McKinstry was like, oh, God, I can't believe I have to face these guys every day. The other funny thing about the Dodgers ultimate site is um, uh, some of their major league guys, like if they had an off day or like had a night game and they wanted to get a look on a guy, they would like go to the alternate site and be like, all right, we're facing like a guy with like a 94 mile per hour fastball that throws a good change up. Um, it's kind of like Pepio. And then they would like Mookie would like sit in for at bats or like Turner would sit in for at bats or Bellinger would sit in for at bats against Pepio with the rest of like the alternate site lineup sometimes. Um, (laughs) So I thought that was kind of interesting how some of these guys were like getting work against like just major league at bats. Obviously they face all of them in the summer camp. Um, But uh, yeah, I think luck when I hear that and they, and they, they, they face guys like that on a regular basis and they're like, yeah, you know, Gavin Lux is a guy like you gotta, you gotta trust Lux. Um, He's a guy that, yeah, I kind of wish I had drafted him in TGFBI, frankly. I didn't get him, but um, he's going to be be real good. I think he's going to earn that spot sooner or later. I I think he's more than talented enough to earn it, take it, and run with it. So Mm -hmm. the the Dodgers do it right, dude. Like when we had Cody, I was talking with Cody Hosey last year. He was raving about every single aspect of that organization. And people just think, oh, they have the big payroll. That's why they're always good. No, they're one of the top player development organizations year in, year out. It's everything that goes into it scouting and how they treat their players and how they go about their business. The Dodgers is going to be there every year, man. It's not the payroll. It's, it's everything else. The payroll helps, obviously. Like, <laughs> trust me, it helps. You can, you know, get Mookie bets from us and, tr- and, you know, pay him whatever he wants to get paid. Well, it helps but, when you can hire more scouts and buy more tech than everybody else. And, that does you know, <laughs> everything and then pay people off to make things happen in the international market. 
Right. <laughs> hey, the Justice Department is uh, investigating him, you know. <laughs> and I'm that a, is I'm true. a Dodgers fan, so I'm saying <laughs> that, uh, you know, as somebody who, uh, you know, cheers for the team. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, yeah, definitely Gavin Lux out of these four for a simple reason. You can, the, he has the best hit tool out of all four of these guys, and I don't think it's really close. You know, I, I still like Carter Keeboom. I think we might have overrated him coming up. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a star, but I still think there's you know a solid regular there with Keyboom that can hit for a little bit of average, a little bit of pop. And you know, maybe he's not the 280, 25 to 30 guy we kind of thought he might have been. Maybe he's like 270 with 20 bombs, but you know, that'll play. Maybe he's not. Think, a... Yeah, he gets on base. The approach yeah. isn't bad. That's not. Um, yeah. The approach isn't bad. I, the concern there is like, does he have way less impact than we thought? And it's weird that a guy would hit. In the year that he hit in the in the Eastern League, when like the pitching was relatively good, because he started yeah. the beginning of the season there and they went like went like, and then he hit he hit fine when he was in Triple A. I know it was the PCL with the juice balls and all, but um, he hit good enough to get to get a call up right um, when they had some injuries, and he just seemed like he just snowballed after that. Like he lost some confidence or whatever, and he never really sort of regained it. Um, he got a lot of at bats last year. He's pretty bad, you know. Yeah, I took a shot at him in OBP though the other night. So I figured, why the hell not? Gets on base. We'll see if it if it clicks. But you never know, right? Right. I guess I think we should we have to adjust our our mindset with with Carter Keyboom because you know, like I, said, I saw him in Double A a good amount too, and I like the swing. It was very fluid, very quick, and he put the barrel on the ball a lot. You know, it was more of a line drive type than a guy that's gonna crank a bunch of homers, but. Yeah, I, th- I think there's still a solid player there. You know, Bart is the one I'm actually probably worried about the most. I still like Joey Bart. I think I love the power. I think he'd be like a 25 to 30 home run guy, but he's never really been one to walk a whole ton. You know, where are you, where are you out on, on Bart? You think he could be like a top 10 fantasy catcher down the road? Sure. or He could be one this year. Who knows? It's it's catchers, man. Right. <laughs> Look at some Anybody of the guys that have been a top 10 fantasy catcher. Like, that's such a. I don't know. It's one of those labels throughout <laughs> there and be like, yeah, it could happen. You know, <laughs> sure. You know, um, yeah, I uh I still think he can hit enough. Um, he can hit for power, he can catch, and he can throw. Like, I think that part of the game keeps him up and gets him opportunity. I don't know how they work with him and Posey, how much Buster Posey, another year older, um, is, is gonna necessarily handle a lot of the catching duties. So it might be like a 50-50 split. Um, but Bart seems like the kind of guy who can get hot for three weeks and carry your fantasy team because he's mm. just he hits seven homers in three weeks. And yeah. then he hits 120 for another three weeks. <laughs> and then he has a decent week. And then it's another 120. The life of catchers, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I think of it as like there were years where like Tyler, Tyler Flowers was like fine as your starting catcher and was like a top 10 catcher. Um, yeah, I don't think he's, I think that position is so tough. Like it's not like other positions in the game where there's so much, um, besides the hitting that come into it that like, as long as the guy is like average, like, you know, or around league average with the bat, if he's a, he calls a good game, he handles the pitching staff. Well, um, you know, he does the, 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 the background work and the studies on hitters and he, and he knows guys and, and, you know, he frames well, um, you know, he receives well runners don't, you know, he can throw, 
Um, that stuff is all more important. So I think he's going to get playing time, right? And yeah. he has raw power. Um, you know, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be this the second coming of like Joe Maurer? No, but Joe Maurer was overrated in fantasy anyway. And you shouldn't have drafted him, you know? Right. We haven't had like Mike Piazza in a long time. I don't know if we ever will again. I think Adley Rushman. Yeah, I was like maybe Rushman, but like I think Adley Rushman. I think Adley Rushman's the truth. I think Adley Rushman's going to be like a legitimate like he's going to challenge Real Muto in like a year or so for like the top fantasy catchers. It's not going to be this year because they got no reason to call him up, and they actually have some catching depth. So yeah, I mean, could he? Yeah, but I think the thing with Bard is like it's the way it is with catchers. It's so unfair to even rank them with everybody else sometimes because. it never, it's not the same job, you know, right. like it's not, you know, it's it, like, there's a lot more similarities between being a left fielder and a first baseman than there is being a shortstop and a catcher. Right. And they're both demanding, yeah. you know, defensive positions, but um, you know, you still, you can deal with a little bit less defense if a guy can hit and you want your shortstop at this point to hit, you know, it's one of the deepest positions in fantasy now yep. um, catching. I don't think it matters. You can win with, with, you know, Sandy Leon behind the plate and calling a great game and just playing good defense and not making mistakes and making your pitchers comfortable because it saves you runs. Right. So I, I think like their job is so different. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe Joey, I may draft Joey Barton a two catcher league just because like, yeah, I'll get playing time and he can hit some homers. It's just his ballpark sucks. That's probably the worst thing. Right. He yeah, in Colorado. Everyone would still draft. Oh dude. He did. Dog shit. You know, can I swear? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're all good. Now, r- real quick before we move on to the next set of players here, you know, Giants just drafted Patrick Bailey too. How do you how do you see that? They're both you know, obviously Bailey's a good defensive catcher, so is Bart. How do you I see that play now? Catch. I don't, don't think so. Catch, no, Bailey's all about the bat. Bailey had some of the best batted ball data that I saw, um, you know, in the NCAA the last two years. Um, good launch angle. Like his maxes are like 109, so it's not like you're not looking at like you know. Peyton Burdick, um, you know, or Baron Radcliffe, who can't hit a lick, but it, when he does hit it, it goes. Oh, like, the dude's oh, a beast it, when he, he makes contact. He's got a, he's, he's, got a, he's got a twenty hit tool. I swear to God, he, does. he, he reminds <laughs> me of like he reminds me of like Willie Mopena. I'm not even sure he's that. I'm not even. <laughs> well, no, you're not, maybe not that good, but kind of like that. Yeah, when he that's makes contact, good, it goes a long way. Goodman this year is Willie Mopena. Um, <laughs> seriously, but uh, but. Um, you know, he's not like Andrew Vaughn um, or like even Blade, but like it's good. But his launch angle is just perfect. And he has a really, really tight um, variance in terms of his launch angle. So he's constantly getting loft without like being an uppercut swing, you know. Um, so I think he's going to hit for power. I think they're going to end up putting him in like left field or first base. I don't think he's going to catch. Maybe he catches a little bit and then plays some other positions, but I think from what I've heard, they view him more as a bat. And the big thing with with Bailey is um, uh, part of um, the Giants' sort of model. They don't really use a technical model, but sort of how they grade and how they they rank. Um, character is huge, and Patrick Bailey's like a vocal leader type. The same thing with Bart, and they like like a lot of those guys. Uh, you know, they're very focused on like winning culture and that sort of thing, um, which is why I think they probably over over you know probably played a little bit over their head last year was probably due to that factor. But um, yeah, I think Bailey, I think Bailey's just a bat. I would, I, I I honestly think he's not a bad FYPD pick for that reason. Cause I think a lot of the catchers this year are probably going to move off a catcher. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
good. You know, those, those big. It was a three or four big names from the there are catchers right now. We'll see how many of those guys stay a catcher. I, I told Blessing, and if he's listening, I told Blessing after that show the other night that I think that Wells after, and I've seen Wells like twenty times, twenty five times in the Cape. I saw him play the outfield a bunch. I think he's an outfield. I think he's going to end up playing left field because he's athletic. I, run, yeah. And like, not, they're going to try him at catcher, dude. I do not think he can catch. Right. I, I was talking. I, I was talking with Blessing about that. We were texting after that, and I like the comment I made. Like I didn't think he necessarily was like a bad catcher per se. They also have a, a good amount of catching depth in that system too, right? So like they have they they can go a few different None ways. Hit, though. No, I they can't. Think, I don't <laughs> think Josh Bro. Josh Bro. I don't think he's in a non-prospect. I don't even think he's like a major leaguer at all. Like and if if Bro is like he's going to have to be like a DH, you know. Um, but he doesn't really hit velocity and he can't hit breaking balls. I have questions about bro. And Siegler is a great defensive player, man. That guy can't hit a lick. It's like Austin Hedges type of like right. thing. So there might be a chance he's a he's like a, a no power contact guy. And if he gets that, if he shows up and does that and he can hit 280, he probably is fine. He ends up being a catcher. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Wells. Right, <laughs> for sure. Love the bat. I think he's going to terrorize our Red Sox here <laughs> when he gets up with the Yankees with that bat in, in Yankee Stadium. But if moving on here. Well, hope they trade him. Yeah, but <laughs> there you go. Best case scenario, Austin Willis gets dealt to someone that I don't got to see, you know, 19-plus times a year in, my, in the, my Red Sox division. I like that, Ralph. I like where your mind's at. All right, let's move down to a couple outfielders down in Chris's neck of the woods. And we, we've each given our kind of thoughts on – you know, both Christian Pache and Drew Waters. Ralph, I want to get your take on these guys. Are, are, where are you at on these guys? Because, like, the, the luster is kind of gone a little bit in Dynasty Leagues on these guys. Like, they're both, like, top 20 guys. Now they're both, like, you know, 50, 60, whatever. But where are you at on these two? I still love Christian Pache. Like, I think he's one of the best players that I graded this year. Um, and I think the fact that he has a really high defensive floor kind of boosts his overall – floor in general like because he's going to play every day because that glove is invaluable to their setup defensively and i think it saves acuna a little bit from maybe trying to do too much i think there's a a natural sort of um um friendship there and sort of understanding they play really well together um and i think that will continue and i you know i think he's up for good um i think that christian pache's power has always been underrated and his speed has always been overrated he is you know, was an 80 runner at one point. Maybe he's a 70 runner in the field. He's not an instinctual um, base stealer, which I think he's a good base runner. So he can get from first to third in a single very easily. And there's value in that. Um, but that's only one part of the speed grade. And the other part is obviously being able to actually steal. And I just don't think he's a guy that's going to steal 20 bases. Maybe he can, but he's going to probably have to get uh, a fair amount of opportunities. But he can add some value there. Enough that it it boosts his value a little bit. I think he's going to hit for a fairly high average. He's a good contact guy. The contact numbers overall in his career in the minor leagues have been really strong. Um, you know, I would say 55, so above average just from like a statistical basis. You're talking 75 to 80%. Um, and then in terms of the power, you know, looking at um, – I did get some data on him um, from 2019, and then there's some from 2020 from the alternate site. And, and, you know, I kind of throw out the major league sample from the regular season because it was so small, um, but he's got a good launch angle. He's got good maxes. His maxes are like 111, 112. And his average was like 
above average in the major leagues. And his launch angle was like 12, 13. So it wasn't bad. It wasn't too high. It wasn't too low. Um, I think he's a guy that might be able to hit like 280 with 20 homers and surprise the shit out of people this year. Because here's the other thing. He's got the kind of first, um, um, you know, home to first speed. That's going to put some pressure on some of like the pull side ground balls that he hits. And he's going to be able to push some, some singles to doubles and stuff that he hits in the gap. Uh, and he's got no pressure on him. He's going to hit nine. He's going to look like a baller in the outfield. He's going to have all his swag and confidence. I think he's a guy that I honestly would trade for. I've been trying to in like every dynasty league. Cause I think he's gone from being maybe overrated as a fantasy player to being a little bit underrated. Um, you know, and I, I know I disagree heavily with like uh, my colleague at Prospect Live, um, Eddie Almaguer, who's been like, you know, hammering. He's overrated as a fantasy prospect. And I think he was for a long time. And I was on that bandwagon. Now he's ready. He's got a full time job. He's penciled into the everyday lineup and he's a major leaguer. And like, I think the skills are a little bit underrated. I just think he's probably more, you know. I think he could. I think he could be Tory Hunter, and I'd be totally fine with that. And that was a, re- a fantasy relevant guy for yeah. a lot of years. You know, um, as for Drew Waters, um, Drew Waters hits right-handed uh, pitching probably as well as anyone on the planet. Um, Drew Waters, if you look at his splits against right-handers, uh, another guy with similar. She almost has like identical data to to Pache. It's almost kind of funny. Launch angle, maxes, everything. Um, he hit like 340, you know, 410, uh, you know, 570 against right-handed pitching. And he hit like 200, you know, like two, 230, you know, 305, like. That's bad, yeah. 60 against lefties. He can hit like a little bit of like contact, but he's like one of those guys where like he's he's almost like a strong side platoon guy. Like I almost don't know if you'd want to play him against lefties. He's so bad, um, but he's pretty good defensively. Like he's, he's uh, he could be their left fielder for a million years. That could be their outfielder. Cunha, Pache, Waters, stamp it for five, six years. Um, he's probably going to hit the bottom of the lineup, but who cares? Like it's going to be a good lineup. He could hit 20. It's just, and at least it's a strong side platoon setup. Um He's really great against right-handers. He's just no, he's, he's so bad against lefties that it really does like kind of I think dull some of like the the feelings about him. Like he, of all his homers last in 2019, I think only one came off of the lefty, and it was like the last homer he hit in the, like the last week of the season. Yeah, I looked at that uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it was 16 total home runs over his, his two for 2018, 2019. I think yeah, one in 2019 and two. In 2018, so 13 of his 16 were from his strong side. You know, you almost gotta wonder, like, with how bad he is from that side, does he maybe scrap switch hitting at some point? Does he pull the the Nader Desatus, even though he's younger than uh, FSU, who was a switch hitter who struggled a ton his first couple of years on campus, was a big draft prospect a couple of years ago. He's mashing this year, and he dropped. He actually is a natural righty, so it's the opposite. But he dropped left-handed hitting entirely, and he's actually hit. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta wonder is that something Waters could do? You never know. We'll see. You no, know, I think these guys are so good at stuff like that early on uh, in their careers that um, you know it, it, it's like they never really get challenged, and all of a sudden they are, and it's like do they adjust to it or do they have to scrap it? So he's probably at that crossroads, you know. Yeah, agreed. 
Chris, you being the resident Braves fan in the room here, where are you at on these guys? Where's where's your excitement level on Pache and Waters? Yeah, I was just talking with somebody today about Pache, you know, draft him in TGFBI, and I think he's a really sneaky pick. I mean, he's going so late, and there's intriguing upside. I, yeah. I, on it, I think you – did you write the report uh, for Pache on y'all's website? I thought you did. I, I picked up on some little nuggets there that, you know, really encouraged me that I think the bat can be really good. You know, I've, I've yeah. thought that. I thought, thought he's been underrated. I mean, obviously, he's an elite fielder, but – I think he's going to surprise people. I said I think he could go 15-15 this year, like upside, and hit like 270. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. And you're getting him at like pick 400 and redraft. It's it's insane. But in, in Dynasty, nobody won't like – they're like, oh, we don't want Christian Pache. He can't hit. I'm like, okay, like give him oh, to me. I'll then. take him, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, and I, I think you're right. I think that at one point he was like really overrated, and now he's kind of like – yeah, whatever. He's just another dude. So, hey, yep. go get him, man. It's great value. Waters is interesting. I, I'll be interested to see. Like, I think this will be a big year for him. Um, I'm, yeah, I don't know a lot of what he did at the outsider and instructs at all, but I, I think the talent level is there to be a solid fantasy asset. You know, the, the splits are concerning, but you know, even in a platoon type role, he could be really good, I think. And even the strong side of that platoon as well. So, no, I think Pache is a great buy right now. Waters is kind of fading for some people, but no, I think there's still still a lot to like there. For sure. You know, another outfield prospect that's kind of in that same mold where he used to be ranked a lot higher, and now the, the helium has been let out a lot. But still a top 100 guy on most lists, Taylor Trammell. You know, now, now with the Seattle Mariners, he was a top 25 guy a couple years ago. You know, Chris, are, are you still in on Tramel? Are you a Tramel guy? I still kind of am because yeah, he's he has the hit. I think the hit tool is still pretty solid with him. Like before 2019, which is the reason why everyone's off of him, he was a good hitter. He, he made a lot of contact, hit for high average, walked at a good clip. The speed is there. I think he'd be a, a 20 to 25 steal guy. Maybe the power isn't great. Maybe he's only like an 8 to 10 homer guy. We'll see. But, you know, there's some tools there that I think he's going to be an everyday player still. And with that that hit tool and the speed, I think he can still have some decent value. Kind of like, you know, he's different than Pache, obviously, but kind of in that same area as Pache where it, maybe he's not going to be a star for fantasy, but a nice, solid kind of like back-end asset. You, you feel the same? Or are you out on Trammell? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's tough with Trammell because I've never seen the, the power totally manifest itself. He's a lot bigger guy, I think, that people realize. Um, so I think he's going to slow down a little bit. The fielding has been pretty bad. And I think that's one of the reasons he hasn't been able to get playing time is he kind of doesn't have value there. And it's not the kind of impact bat where it's forced his way into the lineup. Yeah. Um, but he's the kind of athlete, um, and he's seen enough high-level pitching at this point where it could certainly click, and then you know all of a sudden – it comes to fruition and, you know, he's the guy that we thought he was. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the camp where I would take the discount on him right now in a fantasy league and sort of see what happens. Uh, Cause I think he could be a guy at this point, cause he's kind of old um, that could be in the mix, you know, he's uh, 20, 24 now, I think. Yeah. And he's on the, and he's on the 40 man. So um, yeah, you know, there's a shot that, you know, he legitimately sees a fair amount of playing time. Yeah, you, you got to wonder too like, how he fits in like the outfield long term. Obviously, they got Kalnick, Rodriguez, Kyle Lewis, a lot of names in that outfield. Uh, Chris, I'll throw another name, a different name to you. Another recent 
prospect, top prospect that got injured, Royce Lewis. Where are you at on Lewis? Are you buying low because of the injury? Are you still in on the on the skills? I don't know, man. It is another <laughs> t- one that's so tough, man. The talent level's there. Like, yeah, I've been in on for a while, but I think he could be a decent buy low depending on like how low someone's willing to go. If you own him, you almost have to hold him. Like you, I don't think you should sell low if you own him. But I don't know, will the hit tool ever develop? That, that's my biggest question. Like you know, he flashed it a little bit like early on in the career, but it just like it's been so bad, and like you just have to wonder like will the, will the hit tool ever develop and allow him to really manifest the the speed and power that he's got? And you know, I just think about Byron Buxton again. You know, it's like doesn't make enough contact. He strikes out too much, you know? And so that's kind of my concern with Lewis, even though Lewis has never really been a big strikeout guy, hasn't struck out a ton, but man, I don't know. He just doesn't really make enough contact. The batting averages are poor. The OBP is just not that great. And so I just have concerns that those loud tools ever get to play up because the hit tool doesn't develop. So I don't know. I'm kind of mixed feelings there. I think, you know, all the talent in the world, but he just he's a little too aggressive sometimes. I think that hurts him. But, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of torn on what to do with him. Ralph, where, where are you at on Royce Lewis? Yeah, at this point, man, I think this guy's probably – there's a strong chance that he probably busts. Um, you know, I don't know where his, his ultimate position was because there was some talk of, like, moving to center field and, and, and getting him out of, you know, short yeah. – He's played. Wow. He's played all over. He played like he everywhere but short out of the yeah, AFL. Exactly, and um, he's never really hit as much as like the the prospect stock is sort of warranted um, because there were loud tools sort of coming out of high school, and initially he looked like he could potentially be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, a guy like this, I don't know if I'd want to gamble on him at this point. Um, he's he's just a tough eval and. Um, at the end of the day, it's like how much production you're really going to get for the price tag, you know, because um, I still think he holds name value. And sometimes that matters more in, in fantasy than, than anything else. So I think, you know, if you could potentially move him for a, another player that maybe doesn't have as much pedigree, but has a better situation or you think is on the come up, um, I would probably look to do that, you know. And so people in your league might like scoff at you, but you're probably making a good move that they're all going to be like, oh, damn, look what you did three years later, you know. Right, and those are the moves you got to make. <laughs> they might might be tough moves to give up on. You know, he's a former number one pick, so these guys are kind of tough to give up on. I get that, but definitely the right move and move you got to make in dynasty leagues. And I think I definitely agree that the time is now to make that move. One last one last name here before we get out of here. A name from you know Matt Thompson's team, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Nolan Gorman, who you know I've always been super high on. Love that power. Love the swing. You know now he's looking like. To be a position change over the second base now because no one or Arenado's in town. I think the helium and the and the price tag is kind of yeah, hasn't like plummeted, but I think it's kind of like it's been slowly trickling down to a point where I think he's a great buy. And at second base, you know that power, he could be a thirty home run bat at second base. And you know, on Potapalooza, you know, I remember Matt was saying that he thinks Gordon will be up later this year. Do you share that same optimism that he'll be up later this year? And, and you like that move to second base for Gorman? Um, first part, I have no idea if he's going to be up this year. That's aggressive. That's aggressive, Matt. Um, but Hey, who knows? I mean, we've seen the Cardinals get aggressive with some prospects before in terms of call-ups. Um, I think we'll probably take an injury, uh, for him to get every day at bats. So we'll see there. 
I think for his value, second base is great because it shows some belief in the organization that he's part of the long-term like plan, that he's one of the pieces of the puzzle, right? You trade for Nolan Arenado and you're like, you know what? We're not going to keep this guy at third base and then try to trade him off as our third base prospect. that's already blocked. We're going to move him to second. You know, we're going to, you know, potentially, you know, see if he works there. He's a pretty good athlete. He's got a great arm. Um, shouldn't have any issues making that turn and making that throw. Um, so let's try him at second base. And if it works, we have a hell of a future outfield, I mean, infield for the foreseeable future. Um, Cause I think Paul DeYoung, uh, regardless of what he is at the plate, he's got some power, but he's a pretty good, you know, infielder defensively. Arenado, we know is a standout defensively, really, really good. And then you get Goldschmidt at first who I think, you know, can probably play in the majors until he's 40. You know, you're going to have a nice, a nice sort of core there along with your outfield pieces of Carlson and, and O'Neill and Bader, if they can all actually take a little step up, um, you know, they got a nice little core there in terms of their team and guys that can provide some defensive value. And I think up the middle too, when you start to look at, you know, the way they're built, um, Gorman is a guy that I think, you know, when you look at second baseman, a guy that can play a strong or average third base with a plus arm, that might end up being, you know, an asset at second base long-term. Um, and, you know, you're looking at three guys that can throw the, the ball really well in your infield, um, you know, plus a really strong uh, defensive outfield. Um, it could be a good team. And you know, I don't know, with a, with a pitcher's park and a good defensive team, I'm kind of talking myself here on air into drafting Cardinals uh, pitchers for Dynasty Leagues because <laughs> they might have a hell of a defense behind them for a few years. Absolutely. That, that's 100% true. Chris, where, where are you with the move to second base with Gorman? Where are you valuing him in terms of, you know, long term? Do you think he can be like a top 10 second baseman for fantasy? Where, where do you think he ends up? Yeah, I mean, I think the it's definitely the potential there. I mean, again, like catcher, it's not hard to be a top <laughs> 10 second baseman. Uh, I do think the position's like definitely getting better, no question. And it all comes down to the contact skills, I think, for Gorman. I mean, we know the raw power's there. If the if the hit tool develops, you know, there's there's no doubt that you know he's going to be the most powerful second baseman that there is. Like he's going to hit, I mean, easily thirty home run type guy. You know, if he can just hit two fifty, two sixty, then I think that power really plays up. And you know, I think the move to second base helps his fantasy value. Honestly, I mean, it can't hurt it at all. And you know, his value's tanked a little bit, so. It's a good time to buy. You know, I'm not opposed to going out and getting them now. And, you know, the skill set could play at second base, you know, especially for fantasy purpose. So uh, I think it's a good time to go buy him right now. Yep, I agree. I definitely think that that profile looks a lot better at second base. It looks solid at third base. I don't think it looks bad there with this power. But, yeah, that power at second base is something you don't come across too often. So, yeah, definitely love Gorman. Nice. I've been a Gorman guy ever since the 2018 draft. So, um, I've still got a good amount of shares of him in Dynasty Leagues, so I, I, will not, I will not be selling anytime soon. And if I can buy where I don't have them, I'm definitely looking to do so. And one last quick thing here, Ralph. I want to get your take on this. The you know the hit speed prospects with like minimal power, right? Where how do you value these guys for a fantasy side of things, right? Because people look at the low power, like the two names that pop out immediately for me: Nick Madrigal. Xavier Edwards, right? Kind of, you know, the high average, good, you know, don't strike out a lot, good speed, but this have minimal, you know, magical has a little bit more than Edwards, but he's not going to be like a 10 to 15 home run guy. I think that kind of makes these guys miss, you know, misunderstood, undervalued. Where are you at with those guys? How do you value them for fantasy purposes? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I like Madrigal more than Edwards, mostly because he has everyday playing time and he's got a gig. Um, The big issue with with these guys is, like, you usually have to pay too much at the draft table when you initially grab them in an FYPD. Like, um, probably one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in terms of ranking is I got way too into Xavier Edwards being able to, like, translate power, like bat speed to power. And um, it was a lesson learned, um, but it's never really come. And I don't think it's coming. I mean, unless, you know, the, Ra- the Rays have some sort of uh, black magic that they're able to pull and adjust the swing. Um, yeah, I think it's tough. Like I never really owned D Gordon um, in any fantasy leagues when D was, was relevant. Um, I'd rather draft my speed across a group of players that all can provide, Definitely. you know, power and a little bit more thump um madrigal was interesting this year uh i think just from an adp standpoint for where you can get him and really what the upside is he's a huge batting average cushion in my opinion could score an insane amount of runs as like the you know the double leadoff guy and the relusa lineup hit nine they'll run a lot i think he's gonna have an opportunity to run a lot um so i took him as my second baseman maybe like the 11th round in tgfbi um, because it's such a huge speed boost, you know, at that point. But I think once he steals 35 or 40, you're never going to be able to touch him again at a reasonable price, you know. Um, but I think he's got the ability to do that because he's going to get on base so much. He's never going to strike out. Um, he's going to leg out infield singles and stuff like that, and they're probably just going to let him wreak havoc on the base paths while they have all these mashers coming up behind him, you know. Yeah, agreed. Chris, where are you at on these types of guys? Yeah, it's tough. And I kind of follow a similar approach. I'd rather get guys that can you know, contribute across the board a little bit everywhere. You know, I that's the biggest thing for with me for Mondesi. You know, if you draft Mondesi in the first or second round and he gets injured and you're banking all your speed on Mondesi stealing you 50 bags and he goes down, you're screwed. Like, you, know, you got to have a good cushion elsewhere. And so I'd much prefer to get guys that can, you know, hit you 20, 25 bombs and steal 10 bases than just to stack all your speed into one one guy. And so I think you can really get hurt by doing that. So it's hard. I mean, you know, I don't really see the power with like Xavier Edwards or or Nick Madrigal. And so it's tough to buy. Like I think they can be like solid, like three category type guys, but you know, like how detrimental is the pa- no power to your team? I think you have to weigh like team build when you're looking at that too, like especially in a redraft kind of setting. You know, like if you if you've got a good power cushion, like you can afford to draft a Madrigal, but you know, generally, like I'd rather have guys that can contribute across the board. Like I'm not just trying to get like you know big boppers that are you know if I feel like I've got like a Joey Gallo, like I don't need to draft power elsewhere. Same thing with speed. Like you know, I, I want guys that can help you across the board and have plenty of guys that can give you you know a decent amount of steals rather than one guy that can just give you a ton of steals. See, I'm not the only one saying that. That's what I said in my article where I was like a combo, how to approach speed slash bashing Mondesi article a year or so ago. <laughs> that's why I always keep saying. So that's why I don't like Mondesi. This is too. But I think I think a guy like that. See, I think you can draft players like that um, and have enough of a power cushion that like it just puts you so far over on the speed. The other thing with Mondesi is like Mondesi does have power. It just hasn't. Well, he like, does. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, 
he's just wild. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's one of these guys where, you know, when it's on, he's worth every penny. And then when it goes bad eventually, and it probably will, um, you just don't want to be the one left holding the bag. Yeah. So we, 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 so we, saw that, we saw that last year where he was terrible for the first month of the season. And then he was the number one player in fantasy for the last month of the season where I was getting five people a day tweeting at me. He's like, so young. Like, I yeah. think the thing with him is he's still so young that it's hard to. Is he he came up at 20, right? Or was he, was he 19 he when he came, came up? up he, in the, he came up in the World Series. Yeah. Was he still 19 then? Was he was he 20? I forget. Uh, yeah, he might have just turned 20, but yeah, I have to look. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap us up. Ralph, man, that, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. Glad to be on. Really appreciate it. Um, that was a great episode. We hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope it was beneficial to you in your dynasty leagues. We'll be back again next week talking some dynasty and prospect strategy with our good friend Ian Khan. So be back with us then. But until then, everyone take care. you're craving church's three-piece classic there's no other option two crispy legs a thigh and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way and that's why we call it a classic church's texas chicken tap the banner to find your nearest location offer valid at participating locations